Welcome to Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Talk about a game plan a little bit. What would that look like to you? Well, I think um, finding someone with similar values, uh, there is that, in fact, you should quote it, but that that well-worn scripture in Corinthians that talks about um, how we are yoked, that marriage um, or any kind of, of partnership actually like that, but marriage is the epitome of it, is like a yoke that that connects you with another person, right? So what, yeah. what does that scripture say? Second Corinthians 6, 14 says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. Now I'm going to interpret that for you for just a minute in uh, the message, which is the same verse. It says, don't become partners, friends. My word is friends, friends, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not a partnership. That's war. And I feel that that scripture really speaks to that. It's not because we want to be exclusive. It's not because we want to be standoffish or look at us, we're Christians. It's for your own good. God knows what your good is. And he wants you to be yoked as an old-fashioned name uh, that they used to put on cattle, etc., um, don't be paired with someone who's not a believer because your beliefs aren't going to be the same. So with that in mind, um, when you think about it, it's not just the believer versus the unbeliever. Uh, unfortunately, it is even the level of spiritual maturity of believers. So um, I know that we have a lot of personality issues and differences, and there's a lot of things that can can either blend you or or be complementary, you know, complementing you with another person. But um, one of the starting points is your your values and beliefs that you're really living by uh, are they similar? And I think um, for the gentlemen and others, uh, that would really be a starting point. You got to almost go like right at the front end where you meet somebody. If you go through an online, you meet them, you have a couple correspondence. It is what, you know, what do you believe about the whole dating relationship? How should it go? Um, can you give me just kind of your thoughts? Because I've dated enough that to know that some people have certain expectations that will be different than my expectations. And so I just kind of want to be blunt and at the front end, talk about what our expectations are for a dating relationship. I think that needs to be actually practiced. Uh, I know it sounds not very romantic, right? <laughs> to put that. I think it's awesome. I love but, it. I mean, I'm not single, of course, uh, but I think that would be amazing if you could sit down and just say, "Hey, what are you expecting in this? What are you looking for?" You know, you both are bringing history and past to the table, um, and so I think that's an excellent suggestion. Uh, I, I did a keynote recently. Um, on situationships, which is a term that has been coined uh, over the last number of years. It, it really became popular over the last three or four years, but 
goes all the way back over 10 that it was initially coined. But what it really describes is, hey, we're not in a relationship. We're in a situationship. We're in a we're just in a situation. And what that means, okay, it's not a whole lot different, but it has a few nuances from like friends with benefits. So we're gonna have um it, we're gonna have basically a sexual, enjoyable, interactive relationship with absolutely no obligations or commitment to each other. And we're going to avoid at all costs the DTR defining the relationship. We're mm-hmm. we're not gonna have the relationship talk. So we're just gonna we're just gonna be free. Let's just live in the here and now, in the moment, enjoy each other, have sex, and um, take all the pressure off. And there are some people that would be like, well, that that doesn't sound too bad. I, I, I don't like all that pressure. And so it becomes appealing to people that don't want the pressure. But what it turns out, and if you read um, what is really a limited amount of research, uh, I found a research article that had 16 women that were interviewed in depth in this research publication. Every, get this, all 16 said it was not only the worst experience ultimately that they had, they um, they felt depressed, their, their self-esteem dropped. Why? Well, because that kind of no pressure is usually kind of a momentary stage in a normal progression of a relationship. You know, that's where mm-hmm. you're you're kind of hanging out with a person and you're, you know, not without, I mean, a lot of times without the sex, we'll just say, but it's that kind of normal stage where um, you're, you're clicking, things are going well, and now all of a sudden there's that awkwardness. Are we going forward, backward? Are we going to move to the next level of commitment? That transition is actually pulled out of the normal progression and called a permanent stage or a permanent relationship called situationship. Again, it's, it's, it's this huge aversion to commitment, like commitment is really setting me up to get hurt. And it's the brokenness of commitment. It's the unwillingness of people to really make commitment that creates the true insecurity. So I just want to keep putting this in context. I think that we need to hit these things head on at the front end of relationships, unfortunately, and say, hey, listen, you know, there's a lot of expectations that people have. I'm not here to judge. I just want to make sure that we're kind of on the same page. So um, when you think about, you know, us talking and getting together, what are some of your expectations for, you know, how we should progress in this relationship? And that conversation at the front end, if it's resisted, then I think that person's naive that's resisting it. Or they they don't want to have any kind of DTR, any kind of defining of the relationship. Mm-hmm. The definition literally is what is our level of commitment? You know, who yeah. are we? What are we? That defining is right there. So the, the relationship talk, when they resist it, even at the front end, is usually because they just want to relax, not think about anything, and by all means, not define the commitment level. 
Earlier, you mentioned about the reason you date is to hopefully find a potential life partner, someone you can marry, someone you can be with and partner with the rest of your life. And my friend who is single, he definitely followed your advice, even though I don't believe he had read your book, but he started out determined. I am looking for a wonderful Christian woman that I can spend the rest of my life with. He had, his wife passed away from a long-term illness which was just terrible. And he suffered for a long time. Then he goes into these relationships now, this whole dating world, which is just, you know, crazy out there. And he would state up front, just like you suggested, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm hoping. And he said he couldn't believe how many women felt, oh, well, you're moving too fast. That's too fast for me. I, I just wanted, you know, hang in there, take it easy, just get to know each other a little bit better. Um, where should he go after that? I I think he should adopt their language. So if the women that he's interacting with, um, or if I flip it around, the women that are doing this and the men are saying, um, hey, I, I just want to take it easy. I don't want to go too fast. Okay, if, if that's the language, uh, we can adopt that. But if what they mean is, I want to I want to have sex with you, you know, when whenever it, quote, feels right, but I don't want to do any of this other kind of conversation. I just want to relax, take it easy, have sex. If sex is part of the equation, even though it's unspoken, if it's part of their equation, then I would say, on the one hand, they're, they're not defining commitment. They're wanting to take it easy. Uh, they're saying they want to go slow in all those areas. But when it comes to sex, it's highly accelerated. So it's this cognitive, it's kind of this dissonance, right? It's this, we're going to be highly accelerated in one area and really slow in all the other areas, which you can't really get to know somebody by yeah, just, exactly. see what I'm saying? So it it is really kind of, I think that he should, he can adopt the language. He could say, hey, listen, um, We've talked twice in emails or we've had two or three phone calls. Um, hey, I, I wanted to just put something out there. In my experience, people kind of have different expectations of what dating is all about. And so I'm not really asking for anything um, in terms of, of you know, uh, what I want, what you want. I'm just really wanting to put out on the table, it would be nice if we have a conversation about what you expect, kind of like what you would like a relationship to look like and what I would like it to look like. And um, I, I have just found that, uh, you know, I kind of like to take it easy and have no pressure and just kind of like take it one step at a time. So that's kind of my mentality. But um, I really wanted to know where you're, you're coming from as well. So Those he could adopt questions. their language. And when they say, oh, that's what we want. And then he would say, um, where does um, sexual involvement fit in in your expectations? I think you just put it right out there. Mm. It can be the follow-up question. So you can start. It can be, it can be, you know, the second, the third, the fourth question, right? It doesn't have to be right at the very beginning. But I think he can frame it in a way to say what he wants initially that would be appealing to a lot of people that are saying that exact same thing. But I think you got to ferret out whether that statement that they're saying is uh, with or without sexual accelerated involvement. 
Yeah, well, that's a you're just getting right to it right up front, people. Just I tell it like it is. I love it. I Get that stuff out of the way and just move on in the conversation. Now, if the answers are not what you're looking for, it's time to move on, friends. And I really do believe don't just say, well, I, I think I'm going to like him or I think I can convert him to be a Christian or I think, you know what, if God hasn't led you to this person. Um, and I think we need to talk about that, too. Prayer is huge. Friends, I want you to be praying for that partner, for that spouse that you're looking for. I want you to be giving it to God and surrendering to him. And I want you to know, friends, he's not just going to bring that person to your front door like the pizza man. You're going to have to make a list of what you're looking for. Pray that list out and give it to the Lord and then keep your eyes open and get out. Get out and look. So there's, uh, there's another scripture in Philippians. It's actually one of my favorite and it's in chapter two, and it's right in the context of this, one of the most majestic passages of all the New Testament about, um, about Jesus and how he stepped off of the throne uh, of God of all eternity and came, became incarnated and took on, you know, the human form and then went to that humbling death even the death on the cross. So it's this wonderful kind of majestic passage, but it all begins with talking about our relationships. And then it says, in your relationships with one another, have this same attitude in you that was in Christ Jesus. And that's what sets the stage for what he did. So that whole big, wonderful description is really a description to help us to have the template of how we should, you know, have an attitude of humility in our relationships. It, you get down to Philippians 2, right around verse 12, and it's a recap. It's like a summary. It goes, therefore, which we always know is, all right, let's just recap and summarize, right? And it says this, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and do of his good pleasure. And there's two different uh, Greek words that are translated work. You know, um, work out your own salvation is like carry it to completion, put in the effort, you know, put your, you know, put put your work shoes on and get out there and, and do the work. So you got to like, you've got to engage, you've got to make the list of if we're talking about, you know, selecting a life partner, I got to do the work. And then it says, for it is God who is energizing. It's a different word. Um, it's energase or energizing you to have the, the willpower and to have the performance. So uh, we have this partnership with God. And we've got to see uh, the whole dating experience needs to be done in partnership with God. But God will do his part, but he expects me to do my work as well. And that's why we want people to, to at the very least, read my book, get a game plan, um, kind of like really kind of put that into practice in your relationships. And at the very least, change the trends of those that you are around. We maybe can't change the whole world trends um, or our culture, but we can change our community trends, what we're doing right there in our own communities in our churches. And I think if we start to do that, there is a ripple effect. And, mm -hmm. you know, I change my life and I impact somebody else's and that 
starts to have a ripple effect. And so I think people have to have a way of doing these relationships differently than what is just the norms around them. You know what I love that you outline in your uh, book, which was so helpful, is that you talk about, do I really know you? Should I trust you? Will you meet my needs? Can you keep a commitment? Should I have sex or not? And you also talk about healthy people making healthy choices. And, you know, a lot of times people bring baggage to the relationship at the get-go. I can't imagine the challenges people have from their past relationships. And then they're bringing that to the table, which therefore after that screws up maybe anything that could potentially be working. Let me ask you this question, Dr. John. Do you find, you know, I'm talking about women and men now. Do you find that women are more likely to want to uh, follow the correct procedure of dating biblically than men? I think, um, yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think that that was kind of where we've come from, but women have so much pressure on them. Uh, there's another interesting book I'll just mention for some good readers out there called Cheap Sex. It was a uh, a very well-documented book. It was based on the largest research ever conducted in America on premarital sexual practices. And um, the very, if you would jump to the very last page, two pages of that book, there is a very sad quote that basically the author says, hey, I, you know, I'm a professor. I get asked by students all the time, you know, what to do. I don't really know what to tell them because all around us, women have been taken advantage of and they've actually started to kind of like sell out and basically do sexual interaction and sexual practices like how their male counterparts used to do, you know, kind of historically did like, hey, let's just have sex and not worry about commitment. Women have bought into that. And he he ends up saying, listen, you know, it, it now is both men and women promoting something that is really dysfunctional. It, it is not working. It's producing a lot of, um, you know, fatherlessness because all these babies born to single moms, a lot of them don't end up having a good relationship with um, their father uh, the, the relationships don't last. We found that only 16% of the unmarried childbirth relationships, only 16% end up being married five years later. So we, it's almost like he's saying we have both men and women buying into this. So unfortunately, I do think women need to um, reclaim Listen, character, integrity, and getting to know each other is uh, our top priority, and that needs to be done before we even go into any kind of romantic sexual involvement. So, Amen. Amen. Um, I think that women are the ones that need to be, might say, the, the flag bearers of this, you know, reclaiming. Um, I, I wish men did. Uh, I know some men that uh, that take that stand, and they I know a lot of them, um, good-looking men of all ages, that find it hard to build a relationship with a woman 
where the woman doesn't want to have sex at the front end of the relationship. So they're struggling sometimes with the same kind of frustration. Hey, can't we just, you know, spend time together, get to know each other and have a framework of our relationship where we're exploring key areas of really knowing each other without making it a sexual relationship. Why can't we do that for, you know, at the very least for a few months? Yeah. Uh, when according uh, to scripture, until you walk down the aisle. And that yeah. really is the purpose of dating friends is to find a marriage par partner. You know, God didn't put this in place to hold us down, keep his thumb on us. He put marriage in place because it's a union. It's a, it's an example of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit where you're one. And it is beautiful. And I loved what you said at the very beginning, Dr. John, about your wife and longevity and looking back and seeing, yes, you go through the highs and lows of life together, but you're still together. And there's nothing better than growing up together. And even though you might be in a divorce situation or a widow situation, it doesn't matter how old you are when you start to redate again, but to do it in the right order, I think is a blessing from God. When I very first, this was in the mid nineties, uh, when I had written the content, I had not um, had the book published yet, but I had written all the content. So I had uh, five key areas to get to know. And they were based on hundreds of research studies that I hadn't found anybody to catalog and kind of put together in a user-friendly format for singles. So here are target areas that you can get to know this other person. And they're the strongest predictors of what that person will be like in marriage. So I thought that, hey, great, let's give them practical questions to talk about five key areas. So I really wanted to go upstream and um, show a guy wanted. So I wanted, I was doing seminars. And so I was called How to Avoid Marrying a Jerk uh, or Jerkette. But I put, you know, kind of a pre-statement about it. Everything that singles should know and parents should teach about how to avoid marrying. Because I, I wanted parents to come because they're the ones that are preparing the next generation. And so here's all this great content that they can use and interact with their kids um, and help their kids to have a template before they even get into that stream of dating, right? So that's that's the best time to develop all of this. Well, uh, I would do a seminar. I wouldn't have any parents. If I was lucky, I had one parent. Really? I wouldn't have any teenagers. You know who mm -hmm. I had? Chug, I had divorced people. I ended up in the first few years of doing these, every seminar was just packed full of divorce because they were the ones that had the pain point to say, hey, if you can give us something to do it better than what we did before. And these divorced people became like my my best supporters. They're like, you have got to take this to the world. They love the content. They were pushing me to it. I did, you know, um, divorce conferences, uh, international, national. I ended up going to uh I remember I did a cruise. I was invited to go on a, a, a divorced singles person cruise. So I was out there <laughs> doing my seminar on the cruise ship. Uh, I don't know if um, waiting for sex was really what they wanted to hear on that cruise ship. Yeah, but that's, that's where right. I was. Doing it in the right order. Yeah, <laughs> yeah put it right. in the right order. And um, not only how to build the, the bonds of the relationship, how to get to know, trust, like you said, rely, commit, and where touch fits into that whole equation but here are five key areas to get to know. So let's really operationalize 
what it means to get to know somebody. That that format, that game plan um, is in uh, the courses that I teach that have been, uh, I teach others to teach. I'll just give you one quick example. Please in do. The, in the instructor-led course, um, which is a, an acronym called PIC, so in Love Thinks, you can read how to become a certified instructor in the in the PIC program. It's all the content of the book put in a very kind of interactional um, classroom setting. And it's taught over uh, a couple hundred thousand youth in public school systems. So it's been allowed in school systems because we have a non-faith version that is also published in research. So it gets taught all around from youth all the way to we talking about divorce and singles again. But one of the things under commitment is we have um, we have the class go into small groups and we give them a, an assignment. And one of the assignments um, of a small group is to, to take a, a sheet of like flip chart paper and to put ideal commitment in the list, all of the qualities of ideal commitment. And I tell them they got to have at least 20 to 30 words describing what a mutual ideal romantic commitment really is. And so they come up with things like um, devotion, loyalty, uh, sacrifice, uh, perseverance, right? They come up with all, they come up with 20 to 30 words. And when they stand up and they hold, and we do this with kids and public school systems, we do it with youth, um, I call them youth now, but the 20, 30-year-old youth, you know, I'm old enough to look back and say that those are young adults. <laughs> and we do it with the 40 to 60-year-old, 70-year-old um, singles, a lot of them single again, okay? Mm -hmm. They all come up with these glowing terms. And I say, how many of these terms? So when they present, you know, these 20, 30 terms, I, I question them. Or I have my instructors that are leading the class question them. And one of the things they say is, how many of those terms are also the very synonyms, the very adjectives that are used for love? And they look and they're mm -hmm. like, just about all of them. Love yeah. perseveres. Love is loyal. Love is uh, devoted. You know, love is care. Like all these terms. They're like, wow, commitment. True commitment is an expression of what? Of love. So um, embedded in understanding commitment is all of these qualities. And I say, how many of these qualities lead to divorce? Mm. Oh, none of them. I go, hey, let's stop blaming marriage and the commitment that really makes marriage in, in marriage, what it should be all about. Let's stop blaming that for divorce. It's the breaking of those commitments that ultimately lead to divorce. It's the falling short that leads to divorce. Let's put the blame where the blame really should be. Marriage is a beautiful thing because it captures, when mutually uh, agreed upon and followed, marriage captures, marriage prompts, this highest level of commitment. That's a message that is so contrary to what a lot of the singles are living in mm -hmm. all around them and all the messaging going on. And we've we've got to speak that message loudly in yes. the dating world nowadays. You know, and I loved what you said, Dr. John, is that people are blaming marriage 
for divorce. So why get married? And I think what you just said was pure wisdom. I think everybody should hear it and we should herald it everywhere. I think so. And we we try to have like a in the in the PIC program where they do this in classroom settings or in small group, you know, settings or in retreat settings. And we get instructors, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, really well versed and um, skilled through our, we do virtual trainings and we do live training. So we really try to get them to be um, able to deliver this content. But in the delivery, there needs to be a discovery, almost like a logical progression. And so a lot of the content we do through small group uh, activities and things where they are actually kind of discovering what is a, a biblical truth, but doing it more through logic than just here's the Bible verse, you know, here's the ought to. We're trying to give them the how to. And the aha moment for them is when they realize, wow, these are not the qualities that are leading to brokenness. These are the qualities that we're dismissing that actually lead to security and true flourishing. Um, that's another question we a lot of times ask. If two people are practicing these qualities and they're practicing them in their romantic love partnership, what is their experience of life? Well, they mm -hmm. all end up logically going to, they're flourishing. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're loyal, they're persevering, they're devoted. They feel safe. They feel secure. Absolutely. This is what marriage has always been designed to promote. Now, I know a lot of people end up falling short and hurting somebody, but it's the falling short that hurts. It's not the fulfillment of these qualities. Mm -hmm. So I go back to Tina Turner and what she said, and it's so sad what she said. You know, hey, let's, let's take love and, right, commitment because love and commitment are almost synonymous when you look at all these qualities. Let's take that out of the equation. Let's just do a situationship. Let's try to avoid a broken heart. Mm -hmm. The more scared we are of broken hearts, and the more we're trying to run from the giving of yourself to another, but trying to have all of the goods without the giving of yourself and the love and commitment, the more we do that, the more brokenness we end up with. We've got to do it God's way. And we've got to say, hey, the game plan needs to be different than the world. Just what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians over 2,000 years ago, right? Or probably right around 2,000 years now um, in 2023. But what he was saying was, listen, you know, the the whole culture around us in the Roman Empire and the, and the Greek culture that had invaded that, a lot of that, you know, Roman practices, that whole culture is trying to do relationships in a way that lead to brokenness and heartache. We have to establish God's way. And you, the will of God is your sanctification. And your sanctification is immediately in that passage about how you conduct yourself and choose life partners. Amen. That's just great wisdom. Thank you so much. And they can find a chunk of this information in your wonderful book, 
that you have written and I have read several times and I think it is just hilarious. It's funny. It's fun. You've got a lot of uh, little quips in there and, and, and good tools for people to grasp onto. And it's an excellent book, How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. Um, and it is written by Dr. John Van Epp. And I really encourage you guys to go there. And please tell us again, please, where they can find you. And if they want you to speak at their churches or speak at events, um, how can they contact you? Sure. They can contact me uh, just through info at lovethings.com. So just email info, I-N-F-O at love things. So the head and the heart, right? So love of the heart and thinking. So things dot, um, dot com. So info at lovethings.com. You can email. We'd love to hear from you. But um, our three websites that we mentioned is if you have just some resources that you want at home, it's mylovethinks.com. You can find great resources and courses that you can do right there. Head Meets Heart is a great course that you can just do on your own. Um, you can download everything and it goes through a lot of the content of the book, but in a more personalized way. Um, lovethinks.com is where you can go to learn about teaching our courses. If you want to become trained and you want to share them with other people and you want to become kind of the subject matter expert. We do virtual and um, in-person trainings and we have lots of courses, not only this course, but others. And that's all in Love Things. And if you want to go to your pastor, give him a book. That Endgame book is a great book for pastors and church leaders that really challenge them to really step up the priorities of marriage and family before, you know, the whole fabric of our society begins to unravel completely. It is really the strength of marriages that are the cornerstone of the strength of parenting and families. And the church needs to speak into that. And so Endgame, uh, the church's strategic move to save faith and family in America can be found on Amazon. Uh, it can be found um also, right there on ramseries.com, which is where we have a lot of resources and a whole six-week church-wide relationship series that goes really, it goes from kindergarten all the way to six sermons. And we involve the whole church going through this series. It's a really exciting series. And it's at ram, R-A-M series.com. I love it. Thank you so much for coming back on. Every time we have you on, I learn a wealth of information. Um, and I know that our listeners do as well. Friends, if, if you find yourself single, or maybe you know someone who's single, or maybe you want this information to raise your kids up in the right way, um, I really encourage you to go to those websites, check it out, and definitely pray that God will guide you in every step of the way when it comes to raising your children and your own love life, friends. Thank you again, Dr. John Van Epp. Hope you come back on again. And friends, you know I love you. Over and out. Hey, friends, I hope you enjoyed the show. I can't believe you found us in the myriad of podcasts that are out there. Could you please do us a favor here at Women's Hot Topics with Shugbury? Could you please like, subscribe, write a review? Hopefully it's going to be a positive one. And we have got some great shows coming up. Why do you have to do this? Is because it lifts us up out of the myriad of podcasts to the top. And that's where God is. And that's where I want to be. 
This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.